The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. Today we're going to talk about one of the most important things for your health, which is sleep. Sleep is essential to keep you physically and mentally healthy, but there is an estimated 50 to 70 million U.S. adults that have some sort of sleep disorder. It can range from a stressful time with some sleepless nights to chronic insomnia disorder. In this episode, we're discussing the necessity of sleep, what can go wrong, and how you can help yourself on those sleepless nights that you're tossing and turning. We're going to be doing that with Dr. Judy Mazur, and welcome to the show, Judy. Thanks very much for having me, Rebecca. Judy has been practicing acupuncture, nutritional, and health and wellness coaching for over the past 16 years. She strives to bridge the gap between Eastern and Western medicine. Judy believes that optimal health is critical to accomplishing everything else we want in life. She helps one create a healthy balance with an abundance of energy. The body has an inherent ability and, um, and potential to heal itself, provided it is supplied with the correct tools, nutrients, and healing therapies. Judy is an accomplished speaker and healer who guides the way to an evolutionary and balanced approach to health and wellness. So, Judy, how did you become involved in Chinese medicine? Uh, I say it often came to me... Um, because uh, my family, my whole family is involved in, uh, in uh, natural health and healing. By the age of 12, I was already teaching people nutrition through the office. And so um, being directed primarily, first and foremost, by my father, Alex Mazarin, he's a chiropractor, naturopath. I think I ended up in university finishing, after many years, my pre-med, because, of course, you never want to do what your father does. But I had a friend who was going through Chinese medicine school, which piqued my interest, and uh, found that I would also be able to learn acupuncture doing some traveling. So, uh, so that I wasn't taking time off school. My parents promptly said, go do the acupuncture course, and we'll send you on a trip. And lo and behold, I came back and forgot all about med school. And here I am practicing 16, 17 years later and still loving it and loving learning and uh, so I have to give all the thanks to my parents, my parents, my whole family. It's interesting how a lot of families have um, health in them. There's a lot of that in my family as well. We're, we're all very interested in health. And my, my brother is a shiatsu therapist, which is Japanese massage. And my dad teaches qigong. So there's this whole uh, chain. I think sometimes it's just in our, in our blood. <laughs> I would say so. So as I said, my dad, uh, he did his chiropractic first and then went uh, back to school while he was practicing, did his naturopathic. My mother was uh, 
registered nurse, worked in the operating room and switched out of that to work in the office. And then my sister has also now done her naturopathic medicine. So we all actually work together. It's a pretty amazing little family dynamic. But you're right, it, it definitely runs, there's a vein that runs through the, the family with health. Yeah, I think when it when it's in your blood, you tend to get really passionate about it as well because it's just something that you you have to do and you you get drawn to. I would say so, absolutely. Yeah. So so today we're talking about sleep, which is a main issue for people at some point in their lives. And I guess first we need to explain a little bit about what sleep is and why it's so important. Well, sleep is our primary healer. It's the one that. It's the primary thing that helps the bodies to repair, to regenerate, and rest. And um, often after giving someone an acupuncture session, I find that they're maybe feeling a little bit tired or they'll often comment and say, I need to feel like I need to go home and have a nap. And that's because the body is trying to shut you down so it can do the repair that's just been delivered to you via the points. And um, whenever you find yourself tired, that is um, that is the body knocking on your door to say, I want to do some healing. So that's when... Um, that's when we need to pay attention to ourselves and allow the, the healing process to happen. So getting a good night's sleep is one of the best things that we can do if we want to feel better. Well, it, it definitely is. I mean, we all know what it feels like when we don't. But do we even understand why we need sleep so much? We don't really understand all the reasons why we need sleep. Sleep, but we do know that it's necessary for survival. And just aside, in my geeky opinion, it's one of the coolest things about our body is how it's able to regulate us to um, natural sleep cycles. But there was a study that was done on mice that showed that only a small portion of mice were able to survive after five weeks of being deprived of sleep and being deprived of REM. So it definitely shows us that we need to have these sleep-wake cycles so that our body has times when it's active and then it has times to repair. Well, that's really interesting because especially when we're young, we think we can go without sleep or we go to bed later because there's so much else to do. And I think that we would probably get more done if we just got a good night's sleep every night. Yeah, we all know that too little sleep is definitely necessary for our nervous systems to work properly. And we know how we feel when we've had a bad night's sleep. We're drowsy, we can't concentrate, we're kind of cranky. But when you start moving into having severe sleep uh, deprivation, our moods are going to swing, we start to not think properly, and we generally stop taking good care of ourselves. so. So what actually happens when we sleep? What does our body do? So even though we're in a passive and dormant state when we're asleep, our body is still actually quite active. And there's a lot of activity in the cortex, in the surface of the brain, but it will drop by about 40% in the first phases of sleep. But the brain will still remain highly active later on in the evening, particularly when we move into REM. But uh, you'll find that a typical night's sleep has about five, five different stages that we will go through, somewhere the nervous system will relax, somewhere the mental activity will relax, somewhere the physical body will start to repair. So um, sleep is a, a very regulated process, even though we're not aware of it happening. Okay, so what actually happens during these phases? So, for example, in the first stages of sleep, the brain waves keep to continue to deepen into large, slow waves. And so this is kind of like working through alpha, beta, through the theta brain waves where we start to kind of slow ourselves down in, in an, to an unconscious or subconscious state. 
And the larger and the slower the brain wave is the deeper the sleep. And so typically somewhere around stage four is when we've reached about 50% of the brain waves being slow. And then we are at that point entering into REM. Okay. So um, what, what is REM exactly and why do we need this so much? We, REM is when the body is thought to consolidate memory and emotion. And it's at this point in our sleep when the blood flow will rise sharply in several of the brain areas because it's very necessary for it to be linking um, different neuronal processes to memory and emotional experiences and helping us to, in a sense, evaluate and decompress the, what's happening in our daily lives. And in areas involving complex reasoning and language, we need uh, this area to uh, kind of connect itself at that point in time so that we can enter into a, into a new day. Okay, so I think it's important to note that when um, what happens to hormones when we sleep, and melatonin is the best uh, known hormone for sleeping. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? So melatonin is a hormone that's produced naturally in the body, particularly when light is known to decline. So when we sleep, we move into an anabolic state, which is when we have that energy conservation, the repair, and even our human growth hormone will take over to help the cells of the body to regenerate. The levels, our levels of <clears throat> excuse me, adrenaline and corticosteroids will drop, and the body will start to produce this human growth hormone that's so necessary for all of the different actions and, um, how would I say, like catabolic enzymatic reactions for healing in the body. <clears throat> this hormone re- helps to repair the muscles and the bones by facilitating the use of various different kinds of amino acids. The amino acids are the building bro- blocks of protein, which is why it's really important for us to get good amounts of nutritious protein. And um, at this time, every tissue in the body will use this human growth hormone or the breakdown of these amino acids faster when we're asleep than it will at any other point and when we're awake because we're using them constantly when we're awake, but when we're asleep is when the body can actually assimilate them into the correct building blocks for repair. Okay, so it seems that ensuring regular periods of sleep at night lets the body clock regulate hormone production so that you feel awake and alert during the day and ready to enjoy restorative sleep at night. So do we know how much sleep we actually need to get? I mean, that's, I think, a big topic of discussion for a lot of people. I've always said there's no definite amount of hours that each person is exactly supposed to to have. But according to the CDC guidelines, adults are generally recommended to have between seven to eight hours of sleep. Uh, Teens and toddlers maybe need more around 10 hours of sleep. Preschoolers uh, with the, the young brains that are still in the development definitely need a little bit more. They need 11 to 12 hours of sleep. And newborns, as you know, they will sleep 16, 17, 18 hours a day. So it's important to note that daytime sleep doesn't make up for the loss of your beauty sleep at night. Um, the energy needed for the tissue repair uh, that you do while you're sleeping at nighttime is just not the same during daylight hours. And so, although daytime naps can sometimes be effective, it's that nighttime sleep that is most important. 
Okay. So I know that there are a lot of people that come to see me that say they don't need that much sleep and they're fine with the five hours that they get. And I find this interesting. As with everything we said, it should mean that they don't feel very well. Well, for some people, they can function on five hours of sleep, although I wouldn't say that that would be the norm of something that they would do running their whole lives. There may be periods where you will function on five hours of sleep, but as soon as the breakdown of the body starts to happen where we have mood swings or we start to become forgetful, um, the body will naturally put you into more of a, a wanted sleep state, and it may simply be the fact that people are just ignoring these signs and symptoms that are in the body. And um, there was a a, a study, a large-scale study in 2010 that showed getting less than seven hours of sleep can raise your blood pressure, it can increase the blood sugar, um, it increases your risk of heart disease. And um, the general conclusion was that most people who live less, or not live, but sleep less than six hours sleep a night, they're more more likely to have an earlier um, death um, around age of 65, as opposed to people who got six and a half hours of sleep or more, were more likely to still be vibrant and active um, 14 years later by the end of the study. So they may sleep, some people may sleep only the five hours, but um, it definitely isn't going to be something that they're going to do for many years of their life very successfully. Well, I mean, yeah, that's really interesting. I think just like anything else that that we um, do in our lives, we need a balance of it, not too little and not too much. You know, it's the same for food and the same for activity and the same for rest. It just is um, that balance our body needs and something we need to be careful about regulating. Um, So one question I have is what is the circadian rhythm? You hear about that a lot. I'm just curious as to exactly how that works and what it is. So the circadian rhythm, I like to call it the master clock. Um, The circadian rhythms describe different biological events that happen to all humans, plants, animals on a daily basis. And it's a very natural cycle of our bodies. The circadian rhythm will regulate processes of the body from a natural waking to the slowing down of um, preparing the body to sleep. It helps to regulate digestion and times of the day that you might be hungry. And it helps to regulate various cellular processes, such as um, the mitochondria are producing enough ATP so that the cells can repair and produce the right kind of uh, collagen or you know, tendon muscle repair or producing the right kinds of amino acids at a certain type of day. And, for, and, and the circadian rhythm for example, can prioritize your tissue repair as we were talking about before during sleep and it'll prioritize your search for food during the day. So you don't wake up in the middle of the night, most people searching for food, that seems to be something that only happens during your waking hours. And, and uh, this circadian rhythm, it can control your metabolism, it can control your movement and tons and tons of different kinds of body rhythms are triggered by an action and a network of chemical messengers and nerves which are all controlled by this master circadian clock. So, so this, this uh, seems um, really similar to the Chinese medicine theories that our energy moves to different organs every two hours. Do you find that the time of night that people wake up is really important? 
It definitely is. When people will come in with sleep problems, uh, one of the most common questions to ask is, what actual time are you waking up? So, for example, people who will wake up between 1 to 3 in the morning uh, is considered in Chinese medicine to have a disharmony in the liver. And this is the primary time of liver detoxification. So, your people may be dealing with some form of a, an anger issue that's bothering them, or they could have high toxicity. They might have parasites, candida, um, general general high toxic loads, or um, if you've had some alcohol, typically people will wake up between one and three, kind of that hot and sweaty. And so um, people, for example, who may wake up between three and five in the morning, may have uh, lung disharmony because that's the time when the lung is processing. And so they may have allergies. They might have asthma or uh, the emotion associated with lung is grief. And so they might actually be going through something that wakes them up nightly at three to five because that's when they're feeling most sorrowful. This, um, I mean, I find this really fascinating that our bodies have this way of telling us what is going on and, you know, these little signs that we can kind of read. Um, we're we're going to talk more about this after our break. If you have any questions about today's episode, uh, feel free to call in or you can send an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com or we are on Twitter and Facebook and we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts and any questions that you have. We're going to return with Dr. Judy Matt and after a break and we're going to talk more about what sleep disorders actually are and, and what you can do about them. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In the Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Rebecca Risk. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm here with Dr. Judy Mazarin, and we're talking about sleep disorders. And uh, Dr. Mazarin, I guess I just want to know the first question is, what exactly is a sleep disorder? Uh, sleep disorder, uh, in, known as well, insomnia is the primary sleep, known sleep disorder, is considered chronic if it is something that occurs three nights a week for more than a period of three months or longer. And uh, it's been estimated that about 50 to 70 million U.S. have some form of a sleep disorder. Okay, and we did mention earlier that it's really important. We don't understand why people need sleep, but animal studies have shown how necessary it is because without, you said, without REM sleep, um, mice died within five weeks um, with deprived of it, so we can see that it's very important. Exactly. Sleep is necessary for our nervous systems to work properly. It's important for regeneration and repair and genuine general cell mechanisms to actually repair themselves over the night. And too little sleep will just make us drowsy and grumpy and we can't concentrate the next day and our memories don't function and our overall physical performance is just debilitated by a lack of sleep. So I guess the bottom line is that that we need it, and of course, a, a long-term disturbance can be cause more than a, a bad day. I would guess if it's so, so important for our health. Yeah, as mentioning before, sleep deprivation has been linked to everything from high blood pressure to immune dysfunction, heart disease. Uh, we've all heard that if you're wanting to lose weight, getting a good night's sleep is really important. So it's been linked to obesity, a lot of psychiatric troubles, uh, depression, mood disorders, ADD. The list, the list is, um, it goes on. So it's um, injury from accidents and the poor quality of life. And so sleep is definitely very important for our repair. So what's one of the most common sleep problems that you deal with in your clinic with acupuncture and herbs? The two primary things that most acupuncturists, uh, Chinese medicine docs, are going to ask their people are whether or not they are having difficulty falling asleep or whether they're having problems staying asleep. And then if they're having difficulty staying asleep, that's when we ask the question, what time are you waking up at night? Because then that gives us an insight into what organ system might be impaired. Okay, so what do you do when somebody's having trouble just falling asleep and they're lying there at night and their mind is racing and and they just can't get there? Well, if it's generally a new issue, then first thing is we need to assess whether or not they've done anything different because, of course, any changes that we make to our lives, definitely, even though we might not feel it immediately on a a psychological level or emotional level, uh, on a physical level, our body definitely will react to it. Um, another thing is some people don't realize that caffeine will take up to about eight hours to metabolize in your body. So if they're having caffeine later in the day, then that's something that very immediately we're going to cut out. And um, yeah, so any changes in diet, any changes in stress, anxiety, they, all these things can play a major role. Okay, so I mean, one of the biggest things, of course, is if there's stress in your life, you're going to have trouble falling asleep. But then, of course, you can't always get rid of it. You can be in some sort of situation, in a family situation or work situation, that you can't, you don't have control over. So, what do you do to help somebody who's in that situation? One of the first things we need to do is try to find a way to reduce their stress levels, if at all possible. So, 
people could be dealing with a deadline at work or they could have an ill family member. And um, we would do things such as giving them relaxation techniques that they can use to start to relax themselves before bed. And um, uh, bed preparation generally is known as sleep hygiene. So to have good sleep hygiene and take about an hour prior to bed to turn off your phone and to not watch TV and to just take time to be with yourself and to meditate or to read or listen to music, write in a journal, anything that's quieting to the body is is one of the first steps we'll take because these are things that move the body into that parasympathetic relaxed state so that we can recharge and relax. Well, I mean, I, I think we've all been there at some point and, and I know that I found this really helpful and it's something that I try to do on a daily basis where um, even if I'm not stressed out, just to take that me time before bed, even if it's 20 minutes, if you can't get that full hour, I think we're really bad at getting me time, especially if you have a family and, you know, there's a lot going on in the house and, and everybody comes first before you. Of course, you're not going to be there for them 100% if you don't take that me time. So um, what do you do if they're still having some issues, though, after they do this, but they're still not able to fall asleep? I so agree with you with that, Rebecca, because it's that old adage that in the airplane, you always put your oxygen mask on first before you mm-hmm. help somebody else, right? Exactly. So, but the next, the next step is uh, maybe working with supplements to help them reduce anxiety, stress, or any depression. And some supplements that are very commonly known and commonly used are melatonin, L-theanine, GABA, and magnesium is a classic one. And um, I have a few favorite mixtures of herbs myself, Um, fig bud extract, hawthorn bud extract, which is fantastic, and silver linden bud extract. These are all things that are available from um, a company I use called Soroyal. And they just have inducing sleep so that your body can find its way there on its own. Because what's really important is uh, that you you don't want your body body to forget how to fall asleep. You don't. So, sorry, Judy, you're, you're cutting out there, but I, I think what you're trying to get at um, is not to become addicted to sleeping pills and to try to remember how to sleep on its own, which these herbs definitely do. They just help you to get to that point of use them as well. And, and most people come back saying that works really well and, and gets you to that place where eventually you can start to sleep on your own, which is the, the goal that our bodies can do this on their own. Yeah, absolutely. So I find that generally the, there's a couple of systems in the body that if they lose the, the ability to exercise what they do normally will become lazy, and the digestive system and elimination is one, and sleep and the nervous system is the second one. So um, what do you do when people are waking up in the middle of the night going back, not going back to sleep? Obviously, um, this is a lot different because we talked about that being a different pattern in their organ systems. And, of course, we need to say that this doesn't include getting up to use a washroom or our partners or our children or our dogs waking us up in the middle of the night. But this is a, a pattern of our own bodies waking us up. What do you do with people when this happens? So the biggest route for most people here is stress and uh, this goes back to going back to the circadian rhythm or the Chinese cycle that happens in our body if um, if 
if you're someone's waking, again, the example between one and three, which is one of the most classic times, we need to figure out what is taxing their liver so much. And in Chinese medicine, the liver is known as the father of all organs, and its emotion associated with it is anger. So typically, they could have something emotional going on in their body that's angering them. They could have some form of um, elevated liver enzymes, or they could have a, a liver disease, or they could be kind of going kind of PMSy, you could actually say. And, uh, or it could be a stressor, like having parasites and their digestive system isn't working, or something like Lyme disease and neurotoxins. So obviously it's way more complicated um, and might take a while to figure out. And I guess we have to stress when we're talking about Chinese medicine and liver disorders, it doesn't mean a liver disease if you are waking up between one and three, but it can just be a stress in that area, something that you need to, to work on so that your body is working at its optimal and, of course, so that you can get a good night's sleep. Absolutely. It definitely doesn't need to be anything that is a larger disease, but um, anything that affects the organ system, uh, liver, lung, kidney on any level will definitely, um, as I said, affect the body physically long before it will notice it psychologically or emotionally. And uh, yeah, the outcomes are, the outcomes of these things are, need to definitely need to be addressed how we can get there faster. So I want to talk about sleeping pills a little bit. Of course, sometimes they are necessary, even if somebody's, you know, having a really bad time and just can't do, you know, they go through all of this and they still can't get there. But I know the side side effects of sleeping pills um, can be really difficult, and that's one reason why people look for something else because they feel drowsy in the morning or it'll increase their anxiety. Or of course, they can become addictive if they're used long-term. And then if you use them long-term and when you stop, your body will have time have difficulty readjusting to be able to fall asleep on its own. So, I mean, this would make me think that doing things naturally would be a little more appealing. Exactly. I try to help people as much as possible avoid medications. Uh, there definitely, that being said, there sometimes is a definite ne- necessity to it. And so, you know, working with the two East and West medicines is very important. But if, um, if we can have someone do it naturally, that is always better. And with bigger ish- sleep issues, I'll definitely use supplements and use more supplements and involve acupuncture and definitely make sure that relaxation techniques and good sleep hygiene are in there to minimize any side effects. And, and avoid addictions to medications. So the next thing that I want to talk about is nightmares, um, which are probably the most common thing after insomnia as a, a sleep issue. Uh, nightmares are, are dreams that with vivid and disturbing content, so they're different than dreams or something that's a little disturbing. Now, they are more common in children, but they can happen in adults as well. I used to get a lot of nightmares um, when I had Lyme disease. They were caused by the Babesia infection, which was one of the co-infections. And they did go away after I went through treatment. Um, and now I don't have any problems sleeping at all. I used to have insomnia, nightmares, and all this. But I know that there are other causes of nightmares. And so what do you do when you have people coming in that have nightmares? What's your first step? Uh, one of the first steps when people come in and have nightmares is definitely to find out whether anything has changed in their life. And um, first, and we have to, to, in order to rule out a few things. So 
But, uh, of course, we're always, once again, going to look at their sleep hygiene because they may be doing something that's exciting the body at the end of the day when their body should be trying to relax and to decompress and move into that parasympathetic state. And uh, sometimes a late-night snack that will that is, you know, too full of carbohydrates will increase the metabolism and signal the brain to be more active and have nightmares. And so for all you chip eaters late at night, you might want to think about that. And uh, we have, uh, we want to check their medications that they're on as, for example, some blood, blood pressure medications have been known to actually cause nightmares. And so uh, various uh, different kinds of drugs can definitely have an impact. And in contrast, actually, people who are actually coming off of various medications can also have nightmares as their body is going through that detoxification process, much like quitting alcohol or smoking or any kind of drug, um, that definitely will affect all the different systems, mental, emotional, and and, uh, physical. And, you know, always, whenever something like this is happening, I do recommend you do need to talk to your medical doctor about changing any medication and make sure that your doctor knows and that you are doing it properly. So um, aside from all those, do you see a lot of traumas or mood disorders causing nightmares as well? Absolutely, and particularly with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, that is an area that we need to work on it with a psychiatrist. And uh, I definitely would also add acupuncture and some herbs and anything that can help them in their emotional life. Anxiety and depression have been known to cause nightmares, and we need to address those and definitely get to the root of what is causing that mood disorder. And, you know, and once again, as mentioned, parasites like you had with the Babesia infection can cause anxiety because the parasites will have various life cycles and sometimes they're very active in the night, and that's what will wake you up. So we need to take a look at, you know, even from a detoxification level, what it is that's waking you before we throw in herbs and supplements because... Um, we need to make sure that we're treating the sleep if it's caused, caused by an infection. Yeah, this is definitely what happened in my case. And the nightmares didn't go away until I treated the infection, which was the root cause. So, you know, you can dose yourself up on all the GABA and melatonin you want. But if you have something else causing the issue, you're not going to um, get very far. It might only help you just a little bit. So it, it's really hard um, when your sleep isn't so great but you need to get better and then you're going in the this cycle and of course you have something else going on and and um, um, what do you do if it's just an active sleep cycle like acting out dreams like acting them out like physically but it's not necessarily nightmares so in that case this is uh, where we talk about uh, uh, being a REM disorder behavior behavior disorder so people who are very active in their dreams are acting out their dreams instead of staying asleep like the, as they should. And uh, a lot of people will see this. Have, if you have a very active bed partner, they'll often wake you up, but they're, they're going through this REM behavior disorder. And physically, their limbs will move or they'll get up and they'll scream or they'll engage in activities and walking. Sometimes you can even talk to them in the sleep and they'll answer you. They might be shouting, screaming, hitting, punching. And uh, it definitely is, is, uh, can be associated with neuro- other neurological conditions, um, could be Parkinson's, um, various, various different things. So taking some medications, antidepressants, antidepressants and, uh, or exposure to toxins often will cause the REM behavior disorder. 
Okay, so, I mean, that sounds a little more complicated than nightmares as well, especially if it can be related to um, Parkinson's or something like that going on. Obviously, if that's happening, should be something that you get assessed for and make sure there isn't something more serious going on. Um, I know that I've I've had experience with, with this, not for myself, but I've seen in clinic, and it's been related to things like mercury toxicity where the the mercury has gotten into the brain and nervous system and and caused um this so even without those diagnoses of something more serious um we, i was able to help the patient to get um you know i actually helped their partner sleep better because <laughs> they were they felt they were sleeping fine um so we're um is can we just talk briefly a little bit about restless, restless leg syndrome and, and what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Restless leg uh, syndrome is often happens if the patient is deficient in something such as iron or magnesium. And these are, these are the two main areas that will cause um, the legs to be kicking or feeling like they're creeping or crawling at night and, and like they have ants crawling up and down your legs. And, I do like, would like to say here, I would like to also just check and make sure that there isn't a parasite that is causing these because often a lot of parasites or things such as cysts or fibroids will actually soak up the iodine. So we do want to make sure that it's not just about it being a mineral deficiency, that there isn't another kind of infection or host that is causing the deficiency leading to the restless legs. And um, also ruling out, making sure rule out that there isn't any kidney disease, any thyroid disease, diabetes, some of those, some of those biggies or varicose veins will often get, make you feel like you've got restless legs or, and even sometimes Parkinson's disease. So definitely want to rule out all the biggies and hopefully just find that it's just as simple as an iron or a magnesium issue. Okay, well, this is fascinating. I think we could talk about sleep disorders forever. Um, We are going to take a quick break. If you do have any comments on this show, you can send an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter, and you can also call into the show and ask your questions. And we'll be back shortly with Dr. Judy Mazarin talking about sleep disorders. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show & Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm Dr. Rebecca Risk, and I'm here with Dr. Judy Mazarin, and we're talking about sleep disorders today. And um, Judy, I just want to talk briefly about sleep hygiene. We talked about it earlier, but I just want to maybe talk about all the points of what that actually means for people. Um, absolutely. Sleep hygiene is, is so important. It's, it's about as important as brushing teeth, although it's an area that most of us don't give any thought if, um, or, or have even heard of sleep hygiene. But, uh, you know, one of the first things I will do is ask people about their diet and make some general changes to the diet and the foods they consume, the amount of caffeine intake that they have, uh, stop any stimulants in the afternoon. And uh, make sure that people are getting good exercise, exercise that's appropriate for them, because not everybody needs to go to the gym. Sometimes yoga is a better form of exercise, not necessarily too close to bed. And make sure that um, they are doing things as simple as turning down the temperature in the house uh, or turning down their bed a couple hours prior to sleep. So um, would you think that uh, diet has something to do with this as well? I mean, just having a healthy lifestyle overall, aside from exercise, do you think that plays a role? Yes, absolutely. In the uh, traditional Chinese medicine tree of life, uh, food will trump exercise all the time. What goes in the mouth is always more important than how much you work it off. So uh, we want to look at, as I said, what foods they're eating. So a lot of times people are eating foods that are inflammatory to their bodies, such as dairy, wheat, sugar, alcohol, and these are all things that might be um, stimulating the, the body to be in a pain cycle all the time. Or things like alcohol. Alcohol definitely will help you fall asleep, but it's not going to give you a restful sleep if your liver is going to wake you up between 1 and 3 in the morning. And um, REM is definitely, that's um, usually when your primary REM sleep is occurring is around 2 a.m. So if you're drinking, it's definitely affected by the alcohol. And um, as we were saying before, that REM state is when we want to boost the memory, boost concentration, improve our learning. And so definitely we can't be processing our margaritas and learning at the same time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the couple margaritas might might feel good, but I think there's probably more playing a role than, than just a bit of a hangover the next day, probably that poor sleep that we got as well. Um, one of the most important things that I found when I was having sleep problems with my illness was to get proper blinds in my bedroom. I was so sensitive to the light, especially, you know, in the summer when the light came up early. It really disturbed my sleep, and this made a huge difference for me. It's, uh, yeah, that light-dark cycle is really important in signaling that circadian clock that we were speaking about earlier. And it's been shown that having too much exposure to artificial light, such as the TV, will reduce your sleep quality. And uh, this is primarily because it suppresses that production of that hormone melatonin. 
Um, and melatonin helps to regulate the sleep cycle because with decreased levels of light, melatonin increases, which is why when we go through that time change and the days start to get shorter in daylight, we feel more groggy and tired and sleepy. Okay, so, so you, definitely, you, definitely, you yeah. want your room to be, you want your room to be dark, even sometimes as not even having a nightlight. Okay, yeah, I, I find the complete dark in my room really helpful. If there's any little bit of light, uh, can lead to a bad night's sleep. Um, there's also you mentioned that um, turning your the temperature down in your house to a lower temperature. Um, so does this mean that having a hot bedroom can affect our melatonin and make us not sleep very well? Absolutely. It's likened to that waking up all hot and sweaty at one and three in the morning after having a cocktail or two. Um, you know, having the room be at a cooler temperature is important, uh, kind of about 65 degrees Fahrenheit at night, so that the body will move into a depressed, depressive sleep state and kind of cocoon itself. So you could do things such as taking a hot bath or a shower, having a sauna, but... Um, not, you know, do it a uh, half hour prior to bed so that the body will heat up and then cool down drastically so when you fall into bed, it helps to facilitate your sleep better. Okay, so um, aside from supplements and, and, and all of this, um, we didn't get a chance to talk about adrenal fatigue a lot, but I know that this is a big issue for sleep and I'm just wondering if you could maybe touch on that a little bit. Um, so that people can understand what's going on when they have this sort of hormone imbalance, when they're so burned out that they're so exhausted, but then they get wired at night and they can't sleep. Yes, we have uh, adrenal exhaustion or adrenal deficiency. So one of the biggest, best things that people can do is go to bed about the same time each night and rise about the same time in the morning to help set that internal clock. So you don't want to be going to bed at 9 one night and then 12 another night so the body just simply can't figure out what it needs to do. And the hormones that come from the adrenal glands play such a vital role that we want to make sure that you are producing melatonin at the time when you need to be sleeping and then having your cortisol, which kind of peaks right after you're waking, wake you up. So you want to do things to help the two hormones have the amino acids they need for production, such as don't eat large meals right before bed. Don't have coffee late in the afternoon. Um, you know, um, having smaller snacks right before to help the tryptophan to cross the blood-brain barrier. Don't exercise too late. And to use your relaxation techniques prior to bed. Um, so one thing that I've really noticed when we're talking about sleep hygiene here is when people have TVs in their bedroom, it really causes issues for them. Of course, I mean, you can get stuck on a show and stay up later, but that seems to, to break the sleep hygiene rules, of course, because you're having that high stimulation. We think that TV's relaxing, but we don't realize that the flashing lights and it's switching and changing all the time can be so irritating to us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, your bed and your bedroom is for sleeping. And if you're watching TV in bed, then you very quickly on a subconscious level kind of confuse your body into thinking that that's still an active area of the house. And uh, you'll find it harder to relax. And so you definitely want to keep the, the TVs out of the room. 
And if you find that you are doing lots of various activities in bed, you might want to put a chair to the side and sit in the chair or a small couch so that you're actually, if you're still in the bedroom, the chair is associated with these activities instead of the bed. And, um, you know, if you're using a computer or a tablet um, late at night as well, that the the screen brightness, that blue light, is known to be very stimulating to our brain. So you definitely want to decrease the screen brightness to the lowest setting. You could uh, install F-Flux on your screens. That actually helps to decrease and depress the lighting. Or some people have even been known to wear amber-tinted glasses in the evening if it's really imperative for you to still be working on a screen for the last two or three hours of your day. The, the amber-tinted glasses are, are interesting, actually. One of my assistant wears um, those all throughout the day because she's staring at a screen all day. She gets migraines really easily, and she finds that by wearing those, it has decreased her um, severity and how often she gets her migraines. So, of course, that obviously that effect is affecting your nervous system because migraines are, you know, compared to having seizures. So um, I can see how wearing the amber-tinted glasses in the evening can also help help you not to have that high stimulus exposure to your nervous system so that you can wind down at the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it's really important. Um, this is where I would say this is directly back to having the sympathetic and the parasympathetic system stimulated at the appropriate time. So, for example, with migraines, her, her sympathetic system is, in this case, being overstimulated, so the flashing of the blue light from the screen was causing the neurons in her brain just to overfire and create the migraine. So the amber tinted glasses relax it. So that's, you know, using other techniques such as relaxation techniques could also help as well. And using meditation and deep breathing, anything that will move you into a more parasympathetic state, especially as you approach that three o'clock time of the day where we should start winding our body down so it prepares for a sleep time of nine or ten as opposed to trying to ramp up for that last couple hours of work right before bed. So um, talking about, you know, computers and all these electronics, of course, brings us to um, electromagnetic fields or EMF exposure. Um, So at night now, I turn off my Wi-Fi and I actually have EMF protection in my house so that um, all the EMFs are, are grounded in the house um, of course, so EMFs are, are um, what's given off from like our Wi-Fi or those sort of electronics that we're exposed to, and they can affect our nervous system on some level. We are going to talk about this more next week, but I'm just wondering what your thoughts on that are. EMFs are a definite hidden source of, of uh, insomnia and illness that happens to so many of us in our homes. And um, so it's really important to get that protection for your families. Um, I definitely have a lot of EMF protection all around my house. And uh, a very quick last interesting story is uh, in in my condo, uh, years ago I had a neighbor who she was so affected by the EMFs that were vibrating through the metal beams in the building that she eventually had to go sleep in their camper in the parking lot and eventually had to move. So EMFs are super important to address in your home. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of research on them. Uh, there is some controversy around them. And what, you know, what seems to show is that EMFs can 
affect our melatonin on a small level, but of course the melatonin is what's um, causing us to feel sleepy at night. It's that hormone that helps us sleep. So, um, you know, even if it's being affected a little bit and then we're doing all these other things that are affecting it, um, you know, we're just going to not have this great sleep that we need so much. Absolutely. You'll find that you know, the, any, anything that is too stimulating for the body, particularly in the afternoon, is guaranteed to keep the body awake longer than it needs to. And it's more than just our minds racing, it's our whole body on a lot of physiological levels that, that circadian rhythm functions and runs that we're not aware of will be affected by these interesting different kinds of stimulants that we unknowingly add to our bodies. So having good sleep hygiene turn your bed down, start thinking happy thoughts and calming thoughts at the end of the day and turning off your TVs and tablets a little bit earlier, even if it's just half an hour. All these subconscious things or unconscious things just will really help you get to sleep better and faster. Um, you know, I, I thank you so much for, for sharing everything with us. I know sleep is one of the most complicated things that, um, you know, we have to treat with patients because there's so many different variables i mean we didn't even get to talking about all the sleep disorders that that can happen for people and you know the insomnia is is the most common one um, where people are just having trouble falling asleep and i think it's so important to talk about the sleep hygiene and and all the different things that um are affecting people on, on these levels, we don't realize just how much it's wearing away at our health and our, our lives in total. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thanks very much for having me, Rebecca. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, is there um, any, uh, do you have a website or anywhere where people can find you? Oh, absolutely. My website is theartofgoodhealth.com. Or you could email me at judy at theartofgoodhealth.com. And uh, I'd uh, welcome any questions. And uh, if there's any way that I can uh, give you a hand, uh, that would be absolutely my pleasure. That's great. And you're located in Penticton, B.C.? I'm located in Penticton, B.C. and in Calgary, Alberta. So I uh, do travel between the two provinces. So. Oh, that's great. So that, that gives you more, you can help more people that way. Yeah, I uh, really uh, I love having people in both places. You know, it's hard to hard to leave patients and just move to another area. Exactly. So next week we're going to touch more on the the issue that electromagnetic fields have on our health. We're going to be talking with uh, Jean Gallic, who's the creator of Earthcom products, and she's going to um, help us understand more about how EMF EMFs affect our health and our lives and our families. Um, So tune in uh, next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time, and uh, we will be um, talking about that more. If you have any questions for me, you can send me an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. My website, where you can hear my story, is dr-risk.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this show, or if you have any questions about next week's show, please tune in. Thank you, and I hope everybody has a great day as we're coming into winter here in Calgary. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.